0: Hello everyone, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Husky Talk. We are your hosts Josh Peterson and Nolan Kegman. This week we will be speaking with I on the trail writer and former teacher on the trail, Terry Hankey.
1: Hello Terry, welcome to the
0: show.
2: Well thank you, I appreciate it.
1: How are you today?
2: Uh, really fine.
1: Thank you for being on our show this week.
2: I've uh, uh, watched some of your other, uh, listened to some of the other podcasts and you know what, you guys do an awesome job.
0: Thank you. Uh, we'd like to start off our show um, just by asking all of our guests who or what inspired you to get involved in the Iditarod.
2: Well, um, actually, uh, it was the sled dogs themselves. Um, so I have a friend uh, down here who has, uh, and I'm in Wisconsin, uh, who has uh, sled dogs, and um <clears throat> Uh, she had a person who was kind of helping her out and, and uh, was going to feed and, and uh, take care of the dogs one weekend when, when she was gone. Um, but one of the dogs that she had needed an antibiotic. And um, this particular person who was going to help her out uh, feeding that weekend says, you know what, I'm not sticking my hands in any dog's mouth to put any pill in, their, in into a dog. And so, um, the dog didn't get the antibiotic that it needed. And uh, so uh, since that happened, then I said, well, goodness sakes, I said, you know, I can give my cat's bills. I can sure give uh, your dog's bills. So I became our handler at that point in time. And um, you know what? There was just a lot of conversation then about people like Diddy General and Susan Butcher and and uh, other mushing greats of the '90s, and um, that's kind of what brought me to Iditarod.
0: Nice, nice. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Well, sure. Um, I taught uh, physical education, uh, high school physical education, for uh, 33 years, and um, uh, you know, I'm kind of an outdoor person, and um, when I grew up, I. Uh, lived on the Chippewa River and um, we would often go out, you know, early in the morning and and, uh, fish and then uh, catch what we, or eat or then, you know, eat what we caught for breakfast and that kind of thing, you know, so I've kind of lived an outdoor kind of, uh, lifestyle. I like the outdoors and I like to be active in the outdoors. Um, and, uh, as far as I did a lot of things in, um, uh, I applied to be the teacher on the trail for 2006 and I was selected to do that. So, um, uh that was an incredible experience uh being on the trail and in being with mushers and the dogs and being in the villages and all of that kind of thing and then when the 2007 came along and somebody else was teacher on the trail, I thought, wow, I can't imagine not being in Alaska for the race uh so I was able to get uh, some time to uh, be a volunteer and I worked. Um, the comms, so that's the second checkpoint on the trail, um, early in the race, and that was really exciting. And then um, I've worked comms for several more years, and then in uh, 2010, um, there was this idea about about covering not just the front of the pack like the big reporters do, but also telling the stories of the back of the pack. And so I was uh, given that uh, project, and um, so... I've been doing uh, Eye on the Trail, back of the pack, uh, ever since 2010.
1: Thank you. Can you give our listeners a little background about Eye on the Trail and how they can find your stories?
2: Oh, sure. I'd love to. Um, So, uh, Eye on the Trail, like I said, there was, you know, there's there's roughly about... 10 to 15 mushers who are really vying for the championship, really. and uh, But all of the other mushers, you know, like this year we've got, uh, um, I think it's 69, but, you know, so let's just round that up to 70. So, you know, that gives you another uh, 55, uh, 54, 55 mushers that, you know, aren't really getting very much press. So um, uh, if somebody is kind of stays at the back of the pack, then uh, they can uh, uh, talk to those mushers and they can find out interesting things about them and know how their race is going and, and uh, then write stories so that all of the mushers get suppressed. So the I Am The Trail stories, um, uh, if you go to iditarod.com, which is, you know, the website. And there are some buttons on the on the right-hand side of the page now. Uh, one would be, like, for Running with Runyon, and and one would be, like, for the teacher on the trail. And there's another one for I on the Trail. And so if you click on that, then you can get all of my blog articles. Or um, if you just look at the front page, there's a lot of articles that are just listed there. I think if you look right now, um, a story that I – uh did about uh, Joey Reddington might be uh, kind of top on the list there. Or anyway, I know I've got some stories that are that are right up there. So that's how anybody can find it. And the, and the good part about this, uh, about Eye on the Trail, is it's free. Anybody can read it. You don't have to be an insider to read it, or you don't have to have, you know, GPS or a classroom subscription or anything like that. It's there for everybody to read.
1: All right, thank you. How do, How do you come up with the How do you come up with ideas for your stories?
2: <laughs> You're gonna like this one. So, you know, I love to take pictures, and I have my camera with me all the time and you know I'm keeping batteries warm in my pocket you know because sometimes it's pretty cold out there and and so I just I take pictures and and uh, two or three times throughout the day I'll uh, you know take a little break from walking around and talking to people and taking pictures and stuff like that and then look at my pictures and say oh that's really a good picture I want to write a story about that so a lot of times it's the picture that dictates the story that I'm going to write and sometimes it's like something just really cool um uh you know like uh, one of the mushers um that I was talking to in Eulaclete, um, she uh, one of her dogs had had uh, slipped off the gang line uh, on the between Caltech and Eunlockley, and so here you know Miriam was right there, and word had come in that the musher behind her had picked up her dog, and so you know the dog was going to be delivered to her in in Eulaclete. and so you know I was right there for that story as it was kind of unfolding and the resolution and the the um, the reunion uh of Miriam and her her um uh, dog. So, you know, it just you just kind of keep your your eyes and your ears open and um but things just sort of, you know, evolve that, oh, this is, you know, people at home would want to hear about this.
0: Nice. How do you write your stories and publish them to the internet in the middle of Alaska? <laughs> well
2: uh so of course I carry my computer and I make sure my computer is always charged and I have the the um the you know the the card reader so that I can get my photos on my computer and all that kind of thing and um um I you know write them without internet and then I have to go find internet you know so um uh you know like in in there's a place called uh peace on earth pizza. And they have internet, wireless internet. So a lot of times I publish from there or in McGrath, um, at the checkpoint, I'm able to get on internet right there. And that works uh, really well. Um, my, I think my craziest story about getting on the internet, um, was in Ruby and, uh, it was, it was extremely cold in Ruby, extremely windy. And, um, Um, I had stories ready, and now I had to find internet to post them. Well, it was the weekend, so the school wasn't open. However, they did have wireless internet, and the school was roughly two miles from the checkpoint up hill a big hill it was two miles uphill to get to the school well uh, i started uh, you know hiking up there and i'm dressed warm and i got my computer and everything and and uh, pretty soon someone on a snow machine comes by and so where are you going you want to ride and I'm, oh, yeah, I'm going to the school and you know if you're going anywhere near there i'd sure appreciate it so they took me up to the school and i stood on the, on the steps of the school it's about 19 degrees below zero i get wireless internet and I'm able to post my story from there.
0: Oh, wow. So, so that's... It's,
2: it's not necessarily easy.
1: Yeah, that sounds tough. <laughs> All right.
2: it's, it's always a challenge. You're absolutely right. <laughs> All
1: right. We know that you travel with the back-of-the-pack racers. What is the difference in attitude between the winners and those in the back of the pack? Well, um,
2: in checkpoints, I would say that the um, the the people who are really competing for the race, you know, they are very, very focused on the task at hand. They're extremely efficient with. Um, uh, caring for their dogs, they don't waste a second. You know, if they're if they're walking from the sled to the front of the team, they're doing something. If they're walking from the front of the team back to the sled, they're doing something. You know, whereas when you get uh, to the back of the uh, of the pack, they're not quite as efficient like that. You know, they'll probably just walk up to the front and then uh, walk all the way back, doing the same thing for the dogs or whatever. Another thing is they're. Uh, organization. Um, many, many, many times at <laughs> checkpoints, you see uh, mushers who it, it looks like they unzip their sled bag, and it looks like the bag has just exploded, and all of this gear has just, you know, fallen around their sled, you know. A championship musher, a musher who's really competing for that uh, top prize, you know, their sled doesn't look that way. It is extremely well organized and, you know, everything's in its place and everything has a place. And so I think that those are, are some of the um, things. As far as, you know, mushers um, uh, taking time to, you know, talk with me, um you know they're all really really you know very very cordial um, I just you know try to respect and try to read what they're what they're doing um, if they're uh, really busy with with something that you know I can see oh this is not a time that they would want to talk on the other hand if they're like you know massaging um, you know the dogs um, uh, some uh, you know like a tricep muscle or something like that yeah. you know and and you know then that's a time that they're not necessarily you know uh, thinking on on task sure they're massaging but they can talk you know so I just have to kind of read that and um, uh, you know just figure out the best times
0: what is your favorite story of all time that you have written
2: oh boy <laughs> that is a really tough one um I, I can really think of a lot of them um but Okay, so let's let's just go to Nome, and there was a second grade teacher by the name of Angie Taggart who uh, had raced, and she was from Ketchikan, uh, and just, that's where she taught. And a lot of people from Ketchikan had actually come to Nome to welcome her, okay? So um, as, as she's coming in, there's a little girl who's walking around holding a, a really gorgeous plant in a you know, it's it's a little above freezing, and the plant is somewhat in danger, but not completely in danger. You know, and of course, Angie was b- busy. You know, the interview and the big check and all that kind of thing, and and snacking her dogs, and and she walked by this little girl several times, and the little girl just looked at her and then would follow her and then follow her and then follow her, and follow her. And, and finally everything kind of kind of quieted down. She she'd signed in, and and um, then the little girl walks up to her and uh, gives her this plant which was it was a beautiful plant and Angie said you know now I have time to, to stop and smell the flowers so that was kind of a kind of a neat thing uh, that one of her students had been there to do that and and just Angie acknowledging how focused and how busy she'd been um, and um, you know and then finally now um, she could Enjoy all that she had accomplished. So that, that's one of them, I'd say. Um, you know, I get to know some really um, uh, great people. Uh, Joe and Norma Delia from who lived at Squatna actually, and and they hosted the checkpoint. Um, uh, to get to talk to them and to to um, to be in that checkpoint and and to know about Joe and how he helped uh, establish the trail through there. Um, you know. It was pretty fun to, to be able to write stories about about the old timers and, and what they did for Iditarod. So I've had just a lot of really great opportunities um, to do that. No, Last year there was one. I love this one. Um, it was really foggy and Unile And um, Wade Mars was, was going to be coming in. And of course the first musher to the coast gets the Gold Coast Award given by Wells Fargo. Well, as it turned out, I was the only photographer that was there. Jeff Schultz was back at Keltag. Um, Mike Kinney was uh, back in, in uh, Galena. I mean, he was nowhere near the action, and he was the one that was supposed to be there taking the pictures of this for Wells Fargo and all this kind of stuff. Well, so I'm the only one there. So I get to scoop the story. You know, and uh, so there's um, the Wells Fargo representatives. And they've got the trophy, and then they've got the all the little gold pieces. You know that they um, and, and they put them in the in the cup. And so Wade Mars is he's just grinning from ear to ear. He says, "Whoa!" He says, "You know, this is this is the first gold I've ever won." And so I'm getting pictures of all this. And then he reaches into the into the big cup, and like he takes a handful of the of the gold nuggets, and uh, but he doesn't really and and like he throws them into the air well, the Wells Fargo representative just gasped because she actually thought he was throwing the gold buckets into the air but he didn't but he was certainly um you know really uh really thrilled that it was fun to to um you know to be there and to witness his um his excitement
1: is there, sure. a, is there a specific person you were dying to interview
2: you know, um, uh, Susan Butcher, and of course she's deceased, she's passed away. But um, uh, when she was uh, being treated for uh, cancer, um, uh, that was 2006 when I was on the trail. And I never, you know thought that I would ever, ever get the chance to to uh, talk with her. But lo and behold, she and her family were at Ruby. Um, her doctors gave her the clearance to go there, and so I did get to, to speak with Susan Butcher at Ruby. So that was a person that I'm, you know, that I would, uh, you know, just really, that that I wanted s- so much to interview. And I actually did get to do that. But if, if you want to know one person that I want to interview in the in the situation, it's when Allie Zirkle Wednesday I did a run. That's the interview I want. <laughs> All right.
1: We saw that you taught, you taught PE class. How yep. did you incorporate the I did into PE?
2: Oh, it's awesome. Um, so for example, uh, you know fitness is a big part of PE you know and the, and the, uh, the aerobic activities you know so that you're you're strong, you know cardiovascular and all that kind of stuff and then and then not to mention you know other exercises, the weight training and all that you know kind of thing to um, to, to make you strong and you know mushers are really incredible athletes um, because they've got to be you know they have to be fit cardiovascularly so they can run with their teams they've got to be strong uh you know all of that kind of thing so just for an example um i you know could give the kids um an assignment of write a weight training program that uh, that a musher could use to train themselves for the iditarod or write an aerobic program that a musher could use to train themselves for iditarod um uh, another thing that we can do is, you know, sometimes you got to motivate kids to like do aerobic activities. And so turn minutes to miles. And so, you know, cover the Iditarod Trail in activities that you do outside of class, be it, you know, biking or walking or, or whatever. But, or if you're rollerblading for 30 minutes, then you move 30 miles along the Iditarod Trail and your goal is 1,049 you know, minutes. Um, So, you know, stuff like that. Um, And, a lot of uh, other things, too, as far as checkpoint fitness, you know, circuit training and the the different circuit stations happen to be checkpoints, and then there are different exercises at the checkpoints. But the, but the kids have researched the checkpoints and, and um, you know, put up different um, um, information about the checkpoints, and yeah, it does just a, a, a whole lot of things. One of my favorite ones, actually, was um, calories in and calories out, and that one was to make um, – students aware of the of of their snacking okay so you're gonna a lot of times you know when you do some kind of aerobic thing you um, finish that off let's say you just go for a big long bike ride okay and you get done and what do you want you want a snack okay well if you happen to snack on an apple afterwards you've taken in 80 calories and after an hour's bike ride you've probably burned 400 And so because the calories you took in in your snack are less than the calories that you burned in exercise, you move that 320 calories down the trail, 320 miles down the trail. On the other hand, if you have a Coke and a, uh, you know, like some kind of cupcake or something like that, your calories for snacking have exceeded your calories that you burned, so you move backwards on the trail so just kind of those kinds of things helping kids understand a little bit about, um, um, stacking and, and, uh, other, other fitness activities, uh, through the race.
0: Nice. What do you like to do in your free time?
2: I like to ride my bike. Um, and, uh, uh this is kind of how this started out. So due that I was teaching on the trail, um, you know, you're so busy, you're trying to write the stories and you're trying to to connect with the classrooms and Skype and all that kind of thing and and, and you just you're just really overwhelmed with making sure that you meet your responsibilities. But you don't necessarily have a lot of time to reflect on, on what's going on around you. So the uh, the next summer after I was on the trail as a teacher, I um, set out to ride thousand forty nine miles and keep track of it on the trail. So like when I was writing uh, you know, right off the bat, zero, um, I would be heading to the Station. So thinking about the uh, Etna Station checkpoint, the experience that I had there, so I had, you know, roughly 50-some miles to think about that, and then go into sweat, and I'd be thinking about my experience that I had there. Um, and then I took time when I would actually reach the checkpoint to write a little bit in a diary. So that's how those miles kind of started out. Then I decided, um, you know, dogs – train roughly 3,000 miles before they go on the Iditarod, and then there's 1,000 miles of the Iditarod. So I was like, you know what? I want to know what that feels like. What does 3,000 miles feel like? And so, then I decided I'm going to ride my bike 3,000 miles. Okay? I did that. Next year, I thought, well, let's add the race to it. And so I did that. So now I go 4,000 miles that summer. And then the next year, I thought, you know, Lance Mackey is doing 3,000 miles of training. Then he's doing the Yukon Quest. Then he's doing yeah I did a ride well that's 5,000 miles okay I think I'll ride 5,000 miles this year so that's what I did so I like to ride my bike (laughs) there you go
0: how many miles have you done this year
2: uh this year I did uh
1: 4,500
2: wow so that was from um because I ride in the winter I have a a fat bike, and so from January to uh, December, I rode 4,500, yeah.
1: Okay, Terry, so. we recently started a new segment called Lightning Round. We are going to ask you some quick questions about that you need to answer as quick as you can. Ready? Okay, okay. Favorite food? Uh, apple. Favorite book?
2: Um, endurance.
1: Horror or comedy? Movies. Don't have one. Favorite drink? Um, Water. Cake, donuts, or long johns?
2: Ooh, neither.
0: <laughs> Skittles or M&M's?
2: Oh, M&M's, absolutely.
0: Football or basketball?
2: Uh, oh, boy, uh, f- football.
0: Green beans or peas? I like them both. They'd be right. great. So the last part of our show is Mushroom at Mushmore. You know yeah. Mount Rushmore, right?
2: Yeah, I sure do.
0: If you were asked to replace the four presidents' faces on Mount Rushmore to faces that have made a huge impact on the Iditarod, who would you choose? You can choose, like, mushers, volunteers, dogs, really just anything.
2: Mm-hmm, right. You know what? Um, I knew you were going to ask me this question, so, and I have really pondered this. So, all right, I would put uh, Joe Reddington Sr. up there without question. Um, you know, he had the foresight and the vision uh, to uh, start the... Uh, I did a I would put also um, Emmett Peters up there um, so he won the third I did a and before uh, he um, uh, the two winners before him were 20 days and 20 days something and he all of a sudden took six days. His winning time was 14 days. So he really set. He, he turned a get ride from a camping trip into a race. So I like Emmett Peters up there. Um, I like uh, Didi Giano up there uh, because she is a uh, an incredible role model for women and a cancer survivor and an incredible ambassador of mushing. And then, you know what? It really, really, really gets tough. Um, but I think I'm going to say Martin Boozer. He has run and finished 34 Iditarod races. Wow. The only other person who's finished 34 is Rick Swenson, but he also had two scratches. Uh, So, you know, he's attempted 36, but Martin has started and finished 34. This is going to be his 35th. And he's a four-time champion, and he's an incredible... um, uh, slit dog uh, science guy, and he's um, an incredible humanitarian. He's you know all of that kind of thing. Um, so those would be my people, and in my in my almost but didn't make it, uh, Susan Butcher and Lance Mackey.
1: Thank you so much for being on our show, Terry.
2: Well, I appreciate it. It was fun talking to you.
0: Special thanks to Terry Hankey for being on our show this week. Credit to Hobo Jim for our theme song, The I Did
1: It